Hey, thanks for tuning into my podcast. This is Big Head on the Block, hosted by me, Tim Henderson, aka Big Head. Hey, welcome back to Big Head on the Block. Today, we're going to give you two bonus stories. Both of them are short, so we're going to combine both to make one bonus story. It'll be somewhere around 12 to 15 minutes. Story number one, let's go back in time to 1997-98 era. Headquarters dispatches me and my homeboy on a call for service that reflects some type of disturbance going on between a man and lady. We arrive on scene, and it's just a normal house in the East Brookstown area. And as we get inside, we determine that a man and a lady have been arguing. However, there's no physical contact or anything, so there's really no reason to get involved in any kind of domestic uh, investigation. Both of them are clear as to why we're there. The lady is upset that the man has been with her seven years and has not asked her to marry him. Hmm, now we're in trouble. We got a lady who feels unappreciated. So here's the situation. We talked to both of them independent. We determined for sure, factually, that no domestic violence occurred. That way we can eliminate that aspect of it. Then, as we're talking to him individually, the man says to me, look, she's mad because I won't marry her. And I said, well, I've been together seven years, bro. That's a long time. I mean, you committed to living with her that long. What's the hold up? He said, Nothing really. I didn't really think about it. I didn't think it was that big a deal. I said, well, obviously it's a big deal, bro, because we hear this ain't some average call we get. So it's meaningful to her. So I said, are you wanting to marry her? And he says, yeah, I wouldn't marry her. I just never really thought about it. Okay, so transition to her. We talked to her independent of him. Man, what's going on? Well, I just feel like, you know, I love him and I want him to ask me to marry him, but he never has. And we've been together seven years. And I said, well, maybe... He thought, you know, y'all kind of was married like common law because, you know, even though there's really no law that I know of, people think if you've been together a certain amount of years, it's a common law marriage. But anyway, let's figure out how we can handle this. What, you know, what do you need? She said, well, I really want him to ask me to marry him. I said, OK, I understand what you're saying. And I said, give me a few minutes to think about this. So I met with my coworker and we strategized. I'm like, hey, bro, they're going to keep arguing and we're going to be out here all night. They're going to keep calling us back if we don't take care of this. I said, I think I got the solution. He's like, what you going to do? I said, stand by, Ghost Rider. So I got both of them together in the living room. And then I told my coworker, I said, hey, bro, stand right here. I need you to be a witness. And he looks at me like, what you mean a witness? So I said, hang tight, bro. So I talked to them and I said, mister, do you want to marry her? Yeah. Ma'am, you want to marry him? Yeah. Okay. Well, look. I got an easy answer to this. We're about to perform a ceremony right here in East Brookstown. Now, understand this. I have no authority to marry anybody. However, I did go to a Catholic school, and I've been to several weddings. I've seen them on TV, so I kind of understand the dynamics of how to do this. So with absolutely no authority, I tell them, hey, y'all stand here and face each other. I went through the whole rigmarole, and I said, do you, sir, take this lady to be your lawful wedded wife? I do. Ma'am, do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? I do. I said, 
by the power vested in me by the state of Louisiana and the city of Baton Rouge. Now, as I'm saying that, I'm doing a, a gesture with my hand, almost like the Father, Son, Holy Spirit kind of gesture. So my hands are moving in the air to make it look official. I said, I now pronounce you man and wife. You may kiss your bride. So they kissed, they hugged, they embraced each other. And she started crying a little bit because she was really happy that this moment had finally occurred. Well, I said to them, maybe I can go to uh, somewhere, you know, and, and have a honeymoon or something. And they just indicated that they didn't have the resources right then to go anywhere. And I said, well, maybe when you get a little time, a little extra money, I can go on a honeymoon. I said, you know, I, I didn't really have a lot of money when I got married either. I went to New Orleans for a couple of days. So, you know, just do whatever you can, whenever you can. Well, at that point in time, the lady walked to the back room and we talked to the guy and I said, hey, man, you owe me one for this. And he, he kind of laughed, man. He said, man, I appreciate it also. I appreciate it. So a few minutes later, we hear the lady holler out the bedroom. Hey, I'm ready. I guess you was ready for the honeymoon right then. I looked at him. I said, good luck, fella. It's your time to shine. And that, my friend, is how we do it in Baton Rouge, at least on that particular day. Now, to note, we've seen the, this couple many times over the next year or two. And we never, ever had another call at their house regarding this situation. So, bam, we performed the ceremony. We got a happy couple. That's right. Bonus story number two, dancing with a drunk. Man, you're not going to believe this story. We leave roll call at 6 a.m. thinking, man, it's going to be an uneventful day. We're going to spend 10 hours and nothing's going to happen. Bam, wrong just when you want a nice, easy day, you get a effed up call like this. We have a drunk female at a bar in Tigerland. Now, understand this. The bar is closed at 2, and it's 6 a.m., so this is perplexing to me. Well, I follow my officer, Nat, over there because we were fixing to go get breakfast anyway. As we arrive, we see a female, and we see a male there. We able to determine that he is the one who called for help or assistance, if you will. So we talk to him and we find out that the lady has been there apparently all night and she fell asleep under the overhang. He tried to get her up to leave, but she decided that she wanted to reenter the bar. Well, he was having nothing of it. And when we arrived, we spoke with him and we saw her. And I quickly came to the conclusion that I wish he would have let her back in the bar so she could have uh, been out of our lives. But unfortunately, we get paid to do this work. So guess what? We're now immersed in this. We talked to the guy. He says she got a little physical with him because she wanted to go in and he didn't let her. So he wasn't concerned about pressing charges. He just asked us if we would make her leave. So the fun begins. Entertainment of the day. We really don't want to deal with this lady because we look at her and she has, she's still kind of half passed out. She has tights on and some type of shirt on. I don't remember exactly what it was, but glaringly noticeable was the fact that from her crotch area down almost to her knee, she had a huge wet spot, which indicated that she probably pissed all over herself. And of course, through the smell doctrine, we understood she did urinate on herself, okay? So now we're dealing with a drunk lady who has urinated on herself. So now we approach her and we begin talking to her. 
she gives us her name and she's extremely intoxicated. And I'm going to use the word flirtatious, but she really wasn't flirtatious toward me. She was just flirtatious in general. And we quickly surmised that we needed to get some control of her because she liked to walk around and she apparently wanted to hug and all this stuff. So we directed to the hood of the car and we asked her to put her hands on the hood of the car so we could kind of maintain control of her. Well, at this point in time, she's still drunk and she obviously thinks that uh, we need entertaining. So she starts doing, um, she's got her hands on the hood and she's got her rear end up and she starts making a gesture uh, like she's gyrating, like she's having sex and she's saying all kind of weird stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just what we need. Hadn't even ha haven't even had our donuts and coffee, right? So I tell the other officer, let's try to find out if there's any reports in the system with her in there so we can find somebody to come get her. And eventually we were able to locate her daughter. Well, my officer's still in the car trying to get in touch with the daughter. And I'm attempting to have a conversation with this lady, but she lays on the hood and, and does like a humping motion like she's having sex. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm like, hey, get off the hood. Stand back down uh, on the ground. At which point she did. You know, my officer was back out with me at the time. And I'm like, man, what are we going to do with this woman? And she starts that gyrating again. And I'm like, oh, man, we don't need this trouble. We don't need this trouble. So eventually I tell my officer to, uh, you know, get back on the phone and try to find out how long the daughter's going to be. Well, as my officer's in the phone, this lady decides that she had had enough of the hood and wanted some of me. So she starts walking toward me. Now, I'm not even remotely interested in having some woman with piss all over her come into my personal space. However, she's heading toward me. I start backing up, and she kind of walks faster, and I'm like, hey, walk back to the hood of the car and uh, stay in front of the unit, and don't come toward me. And she was having nothing of it. She was looking for love in all the wrong places. So let me give you the next little bit of trouble that I ran into. Now, I'm 6'3", about 262 at the time, feeling strong as a mule, bench pressing 400 pounds. And I feel like I got a definite advantage strength-wise. Well, as she gets close to me, I extend my arms because there's no stopping her unless I just take off running, which I ain't going to do. So she gets close enough to where I put my hands on her shoulders and I'm leaning my body backwards to avoid any kind of physical contact with that urine all over her leg. And at that point in time, it almost looks like we dancing, right? So I realized that her momentum is pushing me backwards. She's... Above average height, and she's got a stocky build, and she was 100% motivated to hug me or whatever she was fixing to try to do to me. So I literally had to lower my center of gravity and stop her momentum because this was one motivated female. I literally had to use all my strength to stop her momentum to keep her from touching me, basically, with her lower body. Well, at that point in time, my... Backup is still in her unit, and I'm not thinking nothing of it. But luckily, we had got in touch with her daughter, and her daughter arrives just at this time. Now, when the daughter pulls up, all you can hear me saying is, whoa, Nelly, as I'm trying to stop her momentum. And we're kind of going back and forth. 
And when the daughter got out of her car, I said, hey, is this your mom? She said, yeah. I said, please come over here and grab her arm and help me get control of her. And she grabbed one arm. I grabbed the other arm. And we were able to get the mother safe and secure in the daughter's front seat. And this is a very important part of this story. My officer gets out of the car and she's laughing. And I'm like, I'm glad you entertained with my uh, almost getting victimized by this woman and all the urine on her. Because that would have just literally ruined my day. I would have had to go home and change uniforms and everything. Well, we meet with the daughter. We determine that the mother has this kind of behavior all the time. And she's very embarrassed. And I said, look, the, the best thing that happened was you showed up just in time to rescue me. I might give you a life-saving award because you basically grabbed one arm and helped me not have to wrestle with her and dirty my uniform up for the rest of the day. So the, the young girl who's in her 20s takes the mother who's 35 or 40. I don't know exactly how old she was. I don't remember. But she definitely was way too old to be at that bar, right? So... As they leaving, my officer gets back in her car and I said, let's go eat. You know, I'm ready to uh, put this moment behind me. So as we're heading to get a bite to eat for breakfast, yeah, we probably went to Krispy Kreme for all those who want to crack cop jokes, donuts and coffee, or Mary Lee's, <laughs> either one. Uh, realistically, we probably went and ate some really good food at the Crown Plaza. But as I'm driving to get something to eat, I get a text on my phone and it's a short video apparently while i was in the front of the unit trying to keep this lady from accosting me my officer found it very amusing so she picks her cell phone up and takes a video of me and i can hear her in the background giggling and you can see me and the lady kind of going back and forth it almost literally looks like we're dancing because i'm holding her shoulders and she's got her arms reaching out trying to grab me and you can hear me hollering Whoa, Nelly, you know, just as a joke, I'm laughing, really. And like, please, I hope she don't get hold to me. And um, I told my officer, I said, I'm glad you was amused at me almost becoming a victim. So now everyone that's listening understands a cop has to be versatile. And all the time we spent in the gym, all the years, 30 years of working out was made for that one particular moment in time where I was able to keep that woman off me. So I hope you were entertained and amused by these stories. And there's a video that I don't have anymore. I'm trying to get my officer to send it to me. And if I get it, I'll put it on the Facebook page. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Big Head on the Block. I'm Tim Henderson, the host. I look forward to dropping another podcast soon. Please give us any comments, likes, dislikes, or any topics y'all would like to discuss. Thank you.